0: Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. Some of you may have heard about our special anointing that you know we pray that the that, that the heavens would open up and rain on us, Lord. You know, let the river flow. <coughs> Well, it happened in a literal way in that one of the pipes that uh, supplied water to a sink way down in the end of the classroom wing broke in two different places. And so it rained down water on uh, the classroom section. So there's basically a lot of damage. <clears throat> water damage. And uh, it's closed off right now. They're drying out the walls. And we're going to do some renovations um, Thankfully, God's given us enough space in this room that the kids' ministry is going to be in the family room right now. So we may hear them uh, a little bit, making noise, or they may hear us. So don't get too noisy in here. Or if they start getting noisy, we need to get noisier. Is that good? Um, and uh, the plan is that we're going to make it better, and I really think we will. Uh, and so we don't know yet what the insurance company will cover. Whatever they cover, great. And then we'll probably have to do a fundraiser to make up the difference and uh, uh, repair what was broken. But also, we're going to just change a few. Of the 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 rooms really weren't laid out well for classrooms. So this will enable us to make a few of those changes that we wanted to make eventually anyway. Uh, it's just up the timetable. So we just you know, when when something like this happens, you don't go, oh, the enemy has attacked us. You know what? The pipe froze. <laughs> it's cold out, alright? And so, what happened was, the pipe froze. So, the enemy comes in and says, God's not looking out for you because He let this happen. That's an accusation. That's the enemy. Or, or, or you might as well give up because, gosh, we, we don't have the money to fix it. That's a lie. That's the enemy, alright? But well, when I looked at it, I was like, oh really? Great, call the insurance company, we're gonna make it better. <laughs> you know? So you just don't give in to that. And it really actually ties into what we've been talking about this month, which is money. Uh, I actually don't like talking about money, although I do like getting money. <laughs> actually, I think I like spending money better because I generally spend more than I get, which is another whole problem. <laughs> Jesus, though, didn't mind talking about money I, last time I spoke. Uh, see, last week, what'd you, did you have Mark here yeah. talking about greed, right? Yeah. And then... Yeah, um, yeah well, when, get used to it, because that's, that's Mark's language. Mark's love language is Star Wars. <laughs> so, uh, So, we're wrapping up. I'm talking about the poverty spirit. Uh, and then next month uh, uh, we're going to start off the Sunday as a special guest uh, with Dale Stoll. Finally getting him up here in the pulpit, and he's got a he wrote a book to go with his sermon. So uh, are we going to have enough to give him out to everyone? We will. Fantastic. Awesome. So bring a friend. It's going to be awesome. And then we're going to begin uh, next month uh, uh, next Sunday is Dale, and then after that we'll begin an eight-week series on our um, our uh, statement of faith, basically. So our our doctrines. So last year, we took the whole year to go over our values. And I don't know if you remember, I kept saying these are our values. These, this is not a statement of faith. So we're actually going to take eight weeks and go through the, the creed. It's called the non negotiables The things of Christianity that you just can't give up. If you give up these things, then it's no longer Christianity. So that's where we're going next month. This week, we're finishing off uh, the Creed series, and so let us begin. <clears throat> um, today, I'm talking about the poverty spirit. We're going to just define what that is, and then deal with it. So, a poverty spirit is a lie that tells us we'll never have enough. Yeah. Right? You're never going to have enough. It's it's not to be confused with monasticism, which I was surprised when I preached this up in Kalamazoo that no one in the room for service knew. What monasticism was? Second service, we had a couple of seminaries students so they knew. So that is. Remember, um, everybody knows Mother Teresa, right? She she gave up all earthly goods, right, to serve the Lord. Okay, that's a monastic lifestyle, or being a monk. You know, if if you go to a monastery, it's someone who, because they feel compelled by God to live without possessions, they they give up everything, and they, that's, that's that's a good thing. Now what's What's a, a challenge is is that if you were raised in a Catholic tradition, you may have heard of this poverty spirit as embracing that good aspect of living without earthly possessions to commit your life completely to God. And that's great. Right? That's not what we're talking about. Huh? This is something different. This, this is the enemy taking that good, noble thing that a very, very few people... Anybody here called to live as a monk? No, right. (laughs) Or a none? Great. Yeah, I am not. (laughs) So so but the enemy takes that good idea and twists it and makes it into a lie and says, you'll never have enough. And this is this is the poverty spirit that we're talking about. So the idea that you'll never get ahead, you're constantly struggling, uh, that there's a fear that you're gonna lack what you need. Alright? And so underneath there's this little fear that just is constantly background nagging uh, that you're not going to have what it takes to get by and um, uh, it's a focusing on what you don't have rather than seeing what you do have and this is something that if you listen to bill johnson from redding california he's constantly kind of uh, restating this truth i think it's an amazing revelation that when we look at what we don't have when we think about What's lacking in life. It's very easy to get discouraged or to give up and say, I'm never going to mount anything. But that's the enemy's strategy to look at what's lacking rather than seeing, wow, look at all that I have. And being thankful. And when you have that gratitude and thanksgiving, when you're seeing all the good things that God has, then you look at where there's lacking. Oh, that's no problem. i got all this. You see the difference? And so we want to address the poverty spirit. It applies to money, poverty spirit, but it really applies to every aspect of life. uh, Some people are affected emotionally. You're never going to be happy. You're never going to have enough love. You're never going to have enough affection. You're never going to have the right relationship. There's never going to be someone special in your life to share your life with, uh, whatever it may be. Uh so it affects there's never gonna be enough uh, uh courage or there's never gonna be enough anointing or knowledge, so it can be spiritual as well. The poverty spirit can come in and lie and deceive us in, in different areas. And let me tell you, I think, after almost thirty years in ministry, that this is something everyone struggles with. I struggle with this almost a daily on a daily basis. Okay. This is its universal. It doesn't get talked about much in churches because it's kind of a hard concept to grasp, but it's something that everyone struggles. And if we as Christians can live in victory over this, it can be a light for the people in the world who have no hope whatsoever. Okay. But we need it first. And we need to acknowledge our need. We can't get set free from something if we don't even admit that we have it. Okay? So, Jesus said... Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Wait a minute. I'm saying we got to get rid of poverty. And Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. In in Luke, he actually puts it this way. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. And this is another little problem that uh, has crept into Christianity and that we think Jesus is actually saying it's good to be poor. And that is the exact opposite of what Jesus is actually saying here. Alright? When Jesus said, blessed are the poor, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God, he's not saying that poverty is a blessing. Okay? He's not saying that being poor is more spiritual. That's not at all what he's saying. Even if we look at this verse, he says, blessed are you poor in spirit, <coughs> for theirs, or yours, is the kingdom of heaven. Alright? Well, let's think. Now, everybody thinks kingdom of heaven means after I die, I'll get it. That's not what it means. Alright? <laughs> you can put the kingdom of God. It says, so you could translate, blessed are you poor, because you you get all that God has. Alright? Who's Who's the king in heaven? Huh? Who is the king of heaven? God. Alright? All right. So what does he own? All right. Blessed are you because you qualify to inherit everything. And that Jesus is and the whole Sermon on the Mount, the whole of Matthew we didn't hear it last year when I preach it, you can listen to it on tape. Well, <laughs> download it online. <laughs> He's talking about here and now, all right? And even that. Just like he says, "Blessed are you who are hungry, because you shall be satisfied." It's the same idea. Okay, guess what? If you're poor, if you're hungry, I've come to change that. I'm getting a preaching voice there. Rick, Rick, Rick influenced me. All right. <laughs> Jesus came to change that. That's why he's saying, "If you're poor," see, the poor people uh, were more open. It's hard to preach the gospel. In a prosperous nation. That's why America. That's why you can go to some countries in Africa, and they can do crusades, and you'll get a hundred thousand people come. I have people. They'll tell me people walk for three days. It was amazing their commitment. I said that's not commitment. They don't have anything else to do. I'm serious. I, I know long-term missionaries. And they go. You're right. They have nothing. If you had nothing to do. Like, there are no jobs to do. Alright? And you heard there's a revival that they're going to feed, food, give you food at. You would walk three days right. to listen to those meetings. Alright? <clears throat> but in America, you know, we have to do a song and dance to get people to come in. Even then, it's hard. A hundred dollars is helping. <laughs> There it is. You can all all think about it. Someone in here is going to walk away with this. All right. Um, So, he's, he's coming to give hope and to bring a difference, to bring deliverance. The enemy is described as the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, to take, to rob, to leave people in poverty. Poverty throughout all of Scripture, Old and New Testament, is depicted as a or the result of injustice. okay? And Jesus came to bring justice. So of the primary themes of the Scripture is He is the King who will reign righteously and defend those who are oppressed. And so He's coming to change that. Long term, you are going to be blessed if you receive His Lordship. The enemy is depicted as the one who robs and steals and leaves people in poverty and in pain. Jesus came so that you can have life and have it abundantly. To live in abundance. So we need to understand the character of Jesus, understand these words of Jesus in that in the context that He meant them, and not allow the enemy to say, oh, it must be God's will that I don't have any money. It's not God's will. All right? It's God's will for you to live in prosperity, to have more than you need so that you can give generously and meet the needs of others and see lives change. That you can be part of Jesus' kingdom that comes to uh, remove poverty and to re- relieve people from the curse of poverty. Does that make sense? And he wants you to be the head, not the tail. We can go. That's another whole sermon. Okay, so we're going to look at a couple of images in the Bible about this poverty spirit. And sometimes, if we have an image, a picture, we can understand it better. And um, actually, Mark Morris said, "Boy, you should you should find some biblical image of the poverty spirit. Like there's other." the uh, uh, demonic spirits depicted different ways. And I'm like, that's a good idea, Mark. So I found one. Uh, it's in Proverbs chapter 30. It says, The leech has two daughters, give and give. Three things are never satisfied. Four never say enough. Sheol. Sheol is just a Hebrew word for the grave. Um, the barren womb. Someone who, uh, a woman who can't get pregnant, you know, for whatever reason. Um Uh, The land never satisfied with water. And so this was written to people that lived in a desert area and uh, it was referring to parched land that no matter how much water you pour on it, it just sucks it up and goes away. And the fire that never says enough. So he introduces the idea of the leech and the leech has two offspring, two daughters, which are constantly crying out, give me more, give me, give me, give me. And then he compares that to some other pictures the writer of Proverbs says this leech is, is never satisfied, just like these other things that are never satisfied. The grave, the barren womb, uh, the land that sucks up all the water and fire. It never says enough. And I'm just saying that this leech is, is a picture of uh, this poverty spirit that latches on and just sucks, sucks the light out of whatever it latches to and uh this can be uh, referring both to a spirit and you know I don't know where you are in your understanding of spiritual things and there's two ways you can understand uh evil spirits you can understand them like they are depicted throughout uh, the New yeah. Testament especially which are actually uh spiritual beings like angels many of them Many people think they're fallen angels, so they actually have personality. They're a being from a different dimension that are hanging around. Or you can just think of them as evil influences. And really, there's not a big difference. It's just an influence that comes and uh, has a negative effect. And so even politicians will say, you know, there are, there are, there are forces at play in the economy that, that are, is dragging down um, uh, the dollar right now. Well, what do they mean by forces? See, uh, from a Christian profession, biblical perspective, a prophet would say, well, those are demonic spirits. Well, those would say, well, there's a combination of all different influences. Well, yeah, being propelled, okay? And so you can understand it in both ways and both ways are true. <clears throat> or you can uh, see it just as a lie. And so this poverty spirit is both that spirit, that influence, and the lie. And it can refer to the person who's being uh, influenced by it and this give and give is not someone who's generous that's giving away they're crying out give give me more there's constant constant request I need I need I need I need I need um, never satisfied it says that in that passage that twice that, that there's a, a sense of never being satisfied that's the poverty spirit Um so, the leech is one picture in Scripture. And there's another picture. We're going to talk about this a little bit. This is from uh, another proverb. And the Bible says, Don't eat with people who are stingy. Now, in the original language, it doesn't have the word stingy. It actually has the word, Don't eat with someone that has an evil eye. I okay? I should have had a patch. Okay. So the reason it says the evil eye, it says don't desire their delicacies. They always are thinking about how much it costs. Eat and drink, they say. But they don't mean it. Okay, So the evil eye in the Hebrew language and the culture, everyone knew what that meant. Okay, It was a, it was a figure of speech that meant someone who was a stingy. Someone who was a miser. okay, Someone who had a poverty spirit. They didn't like giving up anything. Uh they're always thinking about how much it costs. All right? So they have you over for dinner, but they're calculating. Oh my goodness. Jeez, they took another well, they took the last scoop of dessert. You open up the freezer. Who ate the rest of the ice cream? You did. Oh, <laughs> Alright. Let's see, this is a spirit that gets in this. We think how much it costs. You know what? If the first thing that comes in your mind is how much it costs, that's a poverty spirit. Right? Water blasts through the ceiling. (laughs) How much is this going to cost? That's a poverty spirit. And now it's it's wisdom to go, you know, we're going to have to figure out how to pay for this. That's wisdom. But how much is it going to cost? How much is it going to cost? How much is this going to cost? How much is this going to cost? Someone's coming over to do it. How much is it going to cost? That's a poverty spirit. You need to rid that from your life. That's having an evil eye. Right? So, now, now we know people like that, but I'm saying it's in us. It's the opposite of being generous, and it leads to being duplicitous, having a double-minded, doing one thing. Hey, come on over and eat! I hope you don't eat too much. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and worrying, worrying, and worrying. That is the poverty spirit. Uh, a man, the proverb uses the same term, says a man <clears throat> with an evil eye hastens after riches and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. So there's a constantly seeking of material wealth that they never get. You know what? You can't get enough if you have a condition of never being satisfied. Because it doesn't matter how much you have, and I know people, I know millionaires. Every time I I get with them, I say, "Lay hands on me and pray for me. (laughs) I want your anointing." You know, but they know. Then I talk about it with them, and they know million millionaires. You know, people who have millions and millions of dollars, and they say, "You know what? There's no difference. Uh, It's just moving the decimal." Alright, so someone's a millionaire. They're constantly. I have an uncle. My mom, my mom was telling me about my great uncle. I forget the exact numbers, but he has, he owns a whole chain of restaurants in Minnesota or Wisconsin or somewhere. I don't know where it is. And he he told her he's worth like, I think he said it's seven hundred million dollars. Okay, but he's going for nine hundred million. That's his goal. Okay, now this guy's in his eighties. And he works like a dog, all right? And you wouldn't know it to look at him. He's got seven hundred million dollars, and his life goal, what his main pursuit in life is, is to reach nine hundred million before he dies. <laughs> Would you give me like a couple million? <laughs> he wouldn't let go of a dime of it, right? Because he's going for nine. And what's he going to do with it? He's going to die. Never even have it. So then that never being satisfied, that ultimately, ultimately leads to poverty. Whether that's literal or figurative, it doesn't really matter. Okay? So even if my uncle, for example, I think has a poverty spirit, as far as I know, because he's constantly, he does his work life way. Uh, I've seen his wife many times, but I never see him, because he never shows up to anything, because he's working. And so he has, he, maybe he has, uh, money, but figure, figuratively he's poor. Did yeah. you see the difference? Alright? <clears throat> because it's not about money. Uh, Rick said that at the, in the introduction. This series is not about money. It's, it's really, uh, uh, a deeper issues. Yeah. You can be wealthy financially and be poor. And you can be rich and have a poverty spirit, or you can be poor and have a poverty spirit. You can be rich and be content and generous, or you can be poor and be content and generous. You really, really can. All right. um, <clears throat> Jesus spoke directly about this evil eye. We're going to move on and look at what Jesus says about it in Matthew chapter six. Jesus said um, wherever your treasure is, uh there the desires of your heart will also be. Okay? And so right at the beginning of this introduction of this section Jesus tells us what he's talking about, doesn't he? He's talking about treasures, valuables, what you consider to be valuable, and he's talking about your desires. Alright? And he said, wherever you affix value, whatever you affix value to, whatever you think is treasure, that's where your desires are going to be drawn to. Alright? And then he expands on this, to, so that's his main point, and then he gives us a little teaching to illustrate it. He says, your eye is the lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, or evil, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have, uh, and if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Now, most Christians, reading through this portion of Scripture, we get... Wherever your treasure, there the desires of your heart will be. And then he goes on with the evil eye stuff. Like, what is Jesus talking about? How many have like read that and go, what in the heck is he talking about? Listen, everybody that Jesus was talking about in the crowd, just like Jesus had uh, uh, people listening to him, they knew exactly what he was talking about. Because he used the term evil eye. Eye is bad in the original language. If you have an evil eye. And they understood, because they used it as a figure of speech, This idea of your eye, if your eye is good, he says your eye is the lamp of your body. Now this is not very far from where we, how we think, okay? We just don't use this terminology. This whole passage is about treasure, money, possessions, and desires, alright? So, sometimes at night, when I am resting, I'll pull up Amazon.com. Anybody go to Amazon.com? You know, you can buy anything on Amazon at You know, and you, you look through it, right? And how do you look through it? With your toes? With your eyes? They say there's an image of a product. And if I fill my eye with that image, it stirs up desire, all right? And then I put it on my wish list. <laughs> I'm saying, Jesus, that's my prayer list. <laughs> no, wish list. <laughs> All right. And so this is the same way. We, our whole world functions this way, even before the Internet. It was signs, display windows, we go window shopping, right? And so this idea of what we look at is what we value. And what we're looking at, we're going to look at what we desire. And if we desire something, we're going to look at it more. And constantly going to fix our gaze on it. Maybe you just want a new truck. Man, you just look at it every time you drive by that. Come on, man. Not that one, that one right there. Come on. <clears throat> Alright, a new dress. That's the one. That's the one I want. We fill our eyes with that. And Jesus said, <clears throat> if your eye is good, in other words, if you're looking at good stuff and you're desiring good stuff, kingdom stuff, then that's going to bring light into your life. Your desires are going to be aligned with what is truly valuable. And that's going to lighten up your life. But if you're looking at bad stuff or stuff that actually leads to poverty, then what you think is light is actually darkness. Oh, what if you're fooled and everything that you're looking for in life is actually darkness? is actually poverty. Because you're putting your value in the wrong things. And so, for what you're looking for in life. See, we use that term. What are you looking for in life? I'm looking for success. I'm looking for freedom. I'm looking for, you know, whatever. What are you looking for in life? That's the idea that Jesus is talking about. <clears throat> he says, if your light is, um, is darkness, how deep the darkness... And then He goes on, and we can understand this part. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one... And love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And the word money is a poor translation. It's mammon. Some translations put up mammon. And mammon is, uh, worldly possessions. Okay, so it's anything of this world that you want. That is, especially if anything that is Takes your attention or your value off of the things that God wants for you. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting a good car, wanting a nice house, all right. But if that becomes what you serve, all right, and you can't serve possessions, you can't serve money, you can't serve career, and serve God, because they become two masters. You're going to pick and choose one. Now, serving God wholeheartedly will actually lead you to a place of prosperity. Will actually, because God, when you're aligned with God, He wants you to have a successful career. He wants you to be productive. He wants you to come into a place of uh, prosperity. Uh, and so serving God will lead you to those things. But if you serve the other and you put God in second place, you, you need to deal... That's what Jesus is talking about. Who are you serving? And then He... Then he Explains to us how to get free from it. He says, "He says that's why I tell you, do not worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Jesus is saying that's why I keep telling everyone, don't worry. Don't worry. This is this worry is a symptom of having this poverty spirit. Worry is symptomatic. Worry is an evidence that you're serving two masters. That you're not aligned fully under God. All right." And he says, if, you, if your eye is light and you're serving God, you don't have to worry. Don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more? Jesus adds another point. Why shouldn't we worry? Because isn't life more? He's like, open up your eyes, folks. Don't you wish you could hear Jesus explain this? is Isn't life more? Life is about more than just the stuff of life. We have to we have to understand that our culture is really into stuff, and Jesus is like, it's more than that. Open up your eyes. It's bigger. It's grander. It's more than food. It's more. Than, isn't your body more than clothing? And he makes some comparisons. says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store our food in the in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Okay, so. He changes, Jesus changes the focus and draws attention to two things in this comparison. He draws attention to uh, the character of the Father. right, Listen up. We're talking about poverty. We're talking about possessions. And Jesus says, it's not about those things. It's really about your understanding of the character of God. Ah! Oh, it's about understanding who God is. And understanding who you are. Because you're valuable. You're valuable to the Father. He takes care of all those birds. He says, don't you think you're more valuable than them? Jesus is like, yeah, you are way more valuable. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Obviously not. And why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work. They don't make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. If God cares so wonderfully, again, it's about the character and the nature, the person of God. If He cares so much about wild flowers who are here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, he will certainly care for you. It's about knowing that the Father cares for you. So why do you have so little faith? Don't worry about these sayings saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. So he's describing the character of God and the character of his children who understand that they are valued. Say, I am valued. I am valued. Right. And he's contrasting that with the character of people who don't have a relationship with the father which is the unbelievers and their thoughts are dominated by worries by what they're going to eat what they're going to wear what they're going to drive where they're going to live how they're going to pay the bills this is uh if our thoughts are dominated by those things it's evident it's evidence that we're lacking belief we're living like an unbeliever And we're not fully embracing the character of our Father. And we don't believe how valuable we are. Alright? And so we change those things. And when we change those things in your heart, I will guarantee you, if you can get those things changed in your heart, you're going to look around and find yourself wealthier. Because you're dealing with the root of poverty instead of the symptom. Amen? Come on. Preaching it. Okay. So, freedom of uh, of poverty spirit is a fruit of the kingdom living. All right, we're going to deal with this. The poverty spirit—I already talked to you, taught you that it's that spirit. It's a lie, but it's also this influence, this demonic leech thing. We call it a leech. Um, You know, if a child comes out of the lake—if you're in the summer (laughs) swimming, a kid comes out of a lake. You ever have this happen to you? And there's a a leech. Yeah, you know. I heard a story. Uh, this is just I just saw this in the news me- a few weeks ago. This woman was swimming, obviously not in Michigan. She comes out of her uh, uh, swimming and there's a three inch leech up her nose. <clears throat> Let's just think about that for a minute. <clears throat> <coughs> yeah. Honey, you got a little honey, what is that on your is that a little mud is that a little bit of mud on your oh, oh it's wiggling. So, if your kid comes out of the water and it's got a leech on it, you don't say, oh, don't worry about it. Well, nobody will notice it. It's a little makeup on it. Right? You just have to learn how to live with it. You know? Right, we don't. What do we do? We do everything it takes to get that leech off. I don't know what the lady did that had her up her nose. She had to go to the doctor. <laughs> okay? So, the lie... This harvest spirit has to go, and it's simply applying the freedom that Jesus won for us on the cross. Alright, so I want you to take a minute. If you have something to write with, that'd be great. Because uh, there's two things I'm going to ask you to write down. First, I want you to take a minute, and close your eyes, and ask where in your life do you have constant lack or need? Or where is your eye dark? Right, where is your eye dark? In other words, where are you focused on what is lacking and not seeing God's provision? Maybe the provision just isn't there. You don't know how to get it. Maybe it's financial. You're having difficulty. Maybe it's you're in debt. You have thousands or tens of thousands of dollars that you just can't figure out a way to pay. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's... uh Loneliness. Maybe it's sickness in your body. Uh, weakness. Uh, maybe it's lack of employment, a better job. Somewhere in your, in your life where there's need. Okay? Uh, well, just pick out one, one thing particularly. And we're gonna pray through this in a prayer. Some of us learned this, a similar prayer. I kinda modified it a little bit. But we're gonna skidoo this. Alright? To use the lamb terminology. And this is just a prayer, and it's a good prayer, you can actually, uh, pray it, uh, for anything in your life to break off an ungodly influence or a lie. And so what I want you to do, I want you to stand up. And, uh, <clears throat> we're gonna pray the things in general, and then there's a blank spot where you can say, and you can say it under your breath, or you can say it out loud, but say that thing that you're lacking. And we're going to do this together, all together at the same time out loud. Okay, is that all right? <clears throat> Let me just pray first before we do this corporate prayer. Let me just open with prayer, alright? So let's turn your eyes to the Father. Father, we come to You in Jesus' name. We just ask that You'd hear these prayers. I just bless people's spirit uh, to receive a blessing from Your Spirit. Bless their spirits to come to the to the front, to the head, so that their spirit can hear from Your Spirit and, and to lead them. Open the eyes of their understanding. Uh, and let our spirits be renewed by your freedom. Alright, so out loud say, I nail... I nail it. You say it like you mean it. okay? It. <laughs> poverty, spirit. poverty spirit... Leech, want, lack... Leech want lack. Worry, Worry, and. Worry and... Whatever else that's in your heart. Nail it. To the cross. cross. Alright. I, I break all agreement... Known and unknown... I've made with the lies and the spirits of poverty, leech, want, lack, worry, and whatever is on your heart right now. Try it out. I repent of joining with these lies and spirits. And I ask You, Father, to send the poverty spirit. Leech and, want, Leech and want, lack and worry, lack and, worry. and... <laughs> Away from me. Away from yeah. And so when you do that, you're repenting of any agreement with the lie and you're commanding it to leave by the power of Jesus. Okay? You're disagreeing with the power of the cross. And this is the last part. Say, Father, Father, what do you want to give me? In place of these lies. lies. And this is where you can write it down if you want or remember. But right now, we're just taking a moment and listen. Because where there is lack, there's provision that God wants. Where there's hunger, Jesus said, you're going to be satisfied. Jesus comes to satisfy the hunger. And so... Jesus, what do you have in place of that flat? Hopefully you you might hear a word, like abundance. Or you might see a picture in your mind's eye. I just saw a person ice fishing and catching a big fish. You might think of a Bible verse. And those are thoughts or ideas that God wants you to focus on instead of focusing on the lack. And that's how you get freedom. Amen? Alright, you may be seated.